podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast. This is the Centurion episode. We've reached a full 100 episodes of mostly moaning punctuated with the odd song and some very dodgy impressions. I am Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com, and to assist me in the celebration of this century is the usual suspect over there. I'm Josh Gardner, and I'm fucking freezing. It is very cold, isn't it? And to assist me in this celebration, I've already done that bit, I'm making a return appearance, fresh from his victory in the most virile man in Wales championship, South East Area Heats, is Mr Mike Bobbins. Good evening, Mike. Hello, Lee. Hello, world. Hello, Josh. I'm glad. I'm just, I'm just saying, Josh. I'm glad to see that we've you've both survived the beast from the east to get here oh, in time so for this. Far. The oh, beast yeah. is, is young. She's, it's still rearing its head. Like that. I'm in my pants as we speak. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm not joking. I mean, I am actually. I'm in my no, pants. You, I, can, can, I can confirm. <laughs> Readers, <laughs> listeners, be thankful. This is not a visual <laughs> medium. Is what I have to say. <laughs> Also, uh, Mike, just made us all look, me and Lee, look incredibly unmanly <laughs> by comparison. It's not the first time, it won't be the last. There we go. This, uh, this beast, of the, beast in the East, the media are actually calling it the Great British Snow Crisis, which sounds like, it sounds like the BBC's latest offering to clawbacks and bake-off viewers. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that, though. A.K.A. Snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, aka the winter. Aka, it's a bit chilly out, and it might snow a little bit. I've seen four snowflakes today. That's four thousand years. <laughs> right then, how do you get in touch with us? You can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud. You can get in touch with me there. You can get in touch with me also at Lee at bloodandmud.com and as a website, and as a Facebook page, and all that stuff. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Rugby Shirt Watch, uh, at Josh Gardner on Twitter, RugbyShirtWatch.com. Um, I just joined that Vero thing today, if you want to follow me on that. I don't even know if it's any good. I'm just a massive follower. Of I thought you were Trent. playing some kind of sick joke when I saw that. I thought it was like an ironic thing, but it's actually no, true, isn't no, it? No, it's actually a thing. I'm that guy. Mike, had a, I've heard that people can get hold of you at MikeBubbins.com. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I update that religiously, that website, every 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 year or two. Every, so every Christmas, <laughs> in line with your religion, yeah. Ask me a question on there. I'll get back to you before, uh, before the next Olympics. <laughs> this pod, as you know, because you're listening, is on ACAS, it's on iTunes. Thanks for everyone in these reviews. Don't forget to subscribe, and you'll get this delivered to you whenever we can be bothered to do another one. Coming up tonight, we've got players spotted, a bit of news, what we've learned from the big weekend, some Fantasy League updates, Challenge Cup, all the usual stuff, shit good, all of that. All with Mike to help us along. Now then, player spotted. Let's start with this. Now, I think I've dis- I've been sent. <laughs> Those of you who don't know what player spotted is, if anybody's new, we do have some new listeners. Player spotted is where we ask people to send in a mundane encounter with a rugby player. This week, I think I've been sent the absolute perfect distillation 
of a player spotted. Come on. I mean, you've hyped this a lot. I know I have, but listen to this, right? Yeah. Alvaro got in touch via DM, regular listener and contributor. He said, I've just received this text message from my friend who's in Burryport. Now, that's a fucking strong start, isn't it? (laughs) He's in Burryport, and this is what it said. Having breakfast in Whitford's, full stop, Rupert Moon has just walked in, full stop. Perfect. Perfect. The most mundane player spotted you will ever hear. Rupert Moon walking in somewhere in Burryport. Oh, dear. That sounds like like one of the... Dante's circles of hell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give a more perfect storm than that. I bet Rupert had that massive that. smile on his face like he always has. Oh, Everything's dear. brilliant in Rupert Moon's world. You used to see him in Kiwis, which is a, which is a famous late night oh, drinking. Oh, we're all very aware of Kiwis, yes. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Rupert Moon would be in there on a regular basis. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to slander a, f- a fellow fellow human being, but um, in, his, in his prime um, of sorts, in his sort of 80s, Late eighties, hmm. early nineties, I suppose. Yeah, he was in. He was frequently in uh, in Kiwis with that only be described as a shit-eating grin, <laughs> um, <laughs> surrounded by by girls. I think, my God, you know, I and mean, that was that was a real eye opener. Now, this is the days before rugby was professional, so that he didn't even have cash. I just thought, well, maybe they this, maybe they loved the tucked in collar. Like... It was a tucked in collar that drove them crazy. Yeah, he was an efficient out of the tucked in collar, wasn't he? What if I used to do that too, though? I did that. I think that rugby league scene yeah. that was a rugby league background yeah. for me. Maybe women just love men with five names. Oh, is he Rupert them. John Henry Moon or something? Uh, he's Rupert Henry St. John, uh, St. John Barker Moon, I believe, is the uh, or St. John, if you're Welsh, I guess. Porridge. Well, yeah, <laughs> he had the slowest wind up to a box kick I've ever seen. It was like someone <laughs> trying to get a giraffe out of a trailer. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't have the quickest delivery off from, out of his hands either. To be fair to him, did he? He used to no, dive as well. He, he was a, he was a proper exponent of the dive pass though, which I've always he done. loved the dive pass. And he had that face that looked like he chased parked cars, didn't he? That <laughs> he did, brilliant. bless him. Jimmy Nail, like a shit Jimmy Nail, <laughs> if that's possible. Oh, didn't he become like a, an insurance broker or something after he retired, they which was just perfect? Oh, that was Spender, wasn't it? I'm getting, I'm getting money out. <laughs> yeah, I mixed up there. We move on from uh, Rupert Moon's crocodile <laughs> shoes onto yep. some news. Mm. Uh, first of all, uh, we've hot off the presses today. Jamie Heaser has announced that he's retiring. Indeed. After oh, quite a career, really. I know we've sometimes had a pop at him for possible flat track bully, slightly overrated. However, we're not doing that today because he has had. When you look at it, you look at the numbers, as they say, count the medals and all Indeed. that, and he's done all right. I look at the yeah. man playing for one club his whole career as well. Yeah, yeah it's always a nice thing to see, isn't it? He had the opportunity to go to France a couple of years ago, didn't. Good, really. Uh, great for the Lions in 2009. Great for Ireland in 2009. Yeah. When they won the Slam. Massive in those Leinster teams that played really great rugby and won everything. You know, like you say, in the last couple of years, he has obviously been slowing down a bit, I think. But he's yeah. not injuries, which is what's brought you know, Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, fair play to him. On his, in his prime and on his day. Uh, and a good-looking fella. Player. And a very good-looking fella. Probably oh. won't do too badly in his retirement. Got I married in a blue velvet blazer. I can't. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. God, I love that. <laughs> I thought I knew you would, <laughs> Mike. If you <laughs> weren't here, me and Josh could have five minutes. How yeah. much we hate that. But you're... <laughs> Jesus, that's amazing. Yeah. You're like the sort of sartorial... It seems... I think that's the thing. When we get guests on this podcast, they're always the sort of sartorial... Yeah, because it's Paul Williams, of course, who loves a cravat, yeah. doesn't he? And... Yeah. And... Mm. 
And now and you. you as well, Mike. You're the natural counterbalance to our massive cynicism about anybody attempting to look good. Thanks, mate. That's very kind. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I did brush my hair for this podcast. We're not quite bothered, but we are. That's why you had no you time to put, put your trousers on. Howie! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, good luck to you, Jamie. It has been a hell of a career. Indeed. We could. 100%. You know. yeah. uh, Wales in the USA is the next bit yes. of news. Explain, Josh. South Africa in America before they go to Argentina for some reason. Well, I know for what reason, and it's a massive suitcase full of cash. But um, yes, so I think they're trying to grow. They're generally trying to grow the game in the states, though. Now, I mean, absolutely, they definitely are. They do seem uh, to go Midwest and East Coast, don't they? They obviously see that's where the target market is. Well, that's where a lot of the rugby's. I played in. I've had a lot of years playing in Canada, and we used to go down to the states on tour all the time, and, and you know. Um, Yes, but it's big. In, it's big in a lot of the states. You don't realize it's quite big in Texas. I mean, obviously the Northeast is big, and and uh, these, like you said, the East Coast out in um, Colorado is big. Mm. Well, they started this uh, this major league rugby competition this year, haven't they? Which is the well, they tried it's, a professional rugby competition there with that player base and that athlete base. Well, that's the thing. But they've got the years, though, but yeah, you need to stop people going team... to the Canadian Football League, don't we? And actually coming over to rugby when they don't quite yeah. make it in the NFL, you know. Yeah, or in track sprinting, like uh, what's-his-face Perry Baker. But they've got, yeah, Major League Rugby's got Seattle, Salt Lake City, San Diego, Glendale, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, and New York, which is uh, they're going to be getting a lot of fucking air miles in there, aren't they? Well, that's the problem with it. That's always been the problem with like the, the, like, well, the Canada team and the USA team. It's just getting the boys together to train. It's such a nightmare, you know? Yeah. Especially in a, in a country where it's a minor sport, there's no money involved, so... No, that's, that the that's why the Navy are no good at rugby. Not enough we played time the, off a boat to get to train. in Pennsylvania once for the Toronto Welsh RFC. And that was an eye-opener. We played some <laughs> big old... Uh, we, remember a guy called Tiny playing for one of the Pennsylvania teams, this team just outside Pittsburgh. Tiny was six feet ten. <laughs> <laughs> he worked in the state penitentiary like with this, like all the AAA nutcases in there. He was just a fantastic bloke. Crap of rugby. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing they've got they might have the size they might have the athleticism but they come to the game late and that's who's the fellow the seventh player for the states who was a sprinter rapid in the um uh, there's carlin isles and there's perry baker and they're that's... both carlin isles is the fastest man in rugby allegedly but yeah. perry baker is almost as fast is he faster very... than matt banahan i don't believe that uh maybe i mean I've, they've never raced that's something we should probably do yeah can we set that up can he catch? I mean, Glenn Webb was fast, wasn't he? Yeah, that's the thing about Perry Baker is he is actually very good. Okay. He's not just a, a sprinter. I mean, he is a sprinter, but like he I can actually. Trip over there for the away game. I'd, I'd love to go and see South Africa play. Oh yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm be, I'm being slightly cynical about it, but if somebody offered me a ticket tomorrow, I would be there with fucking bells on. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in Washington D.C. in uh, in Robert F. Kennedy Stadium, that'll be a great laugh. Yeah, just don't get a. Baltimore by mistake and get murdered. <laughs> yeah, don't overshoot whatever. Isn't you that do. true wherever you might be in America though? Yeah, pretty much. Don't turn yeah. left, otherwise you'll die. Basically. Yeah. Wasn't it the case that wherever they had that uh, premiership game in the states this year was in an absolute? Yeah, it was shit. one of the highest proportions of murders per capita place ever. Yeah. And it was like it was a really like small, a... shitty little town. It was. It was like a suburb of Philadelphia, where Philadelphia Union or whatever play their games yeah. but it was basically an absolute fucking shithole it was um, like having like Rogerston as like the murder capital of Wales or something it, didn't make, it, was, it would have been like that 
Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> right then, that was yes. a bit of news. So, yeah, good news. Um, other news, what? the Scarlets are signing a player called Blade Thompson from the Hurricanes, who is now my favourite player ever <laughs> because he's called Blade Thompson. Do we know anything else about him other than that? Don't care. Don't give a shit. <laughs> what else do you need to know? He's called Blade. That's probably how the whole negotiation went. What yes. players have you got you can offer me? Uh, John Jones? No, not interested. Timmy Shufflebottom? No. Blake Hello. Thompson? Yes. Yes, come on. <laughs> Half a million I'll pounds. I'll bet you, bet you any money you like he's got a beard. They should follow the, the, the NFL's uh, lead there and just get increasingly bizarre names. Yes, My favourite just... NFL name is Debrickashaw Ferguson. Oh, I love that name so much. Yeah. I Are also we... enjoy Martavius Bryant and his brother, Hugh Tavius Bryant. <laughs> They sound like Reeves and Mortimer characters. If you haven't got a name with an apostrophe in it, you're fucking rubbish. <laughs> that, sh- that should be my well, default. We had, That's, yeah. we had a good name last week, didn't we? The um, the South African guy, Constant Beckling. That was a good yes. name. Yes, oh, what a great name that is. Imagine he was De Constant Beckling. That'd be even better. <laughs> 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 right, so Blade Thompson, watch this yes. space. Indeed. Right, Maybe then. he's good. So, we had a Six Nations weekend. Did we? We did. <laughs> and, I uh, wouldn't have known that because I spent most of it... Oh, uh, yeah, you were at it, some guitar show, weren't you? I was at the guitar show in New Bingley Hall in West Bromwich in Birmingham, so I, I didn't watch any of the Wales I mean, games. that sounds absolutely banging. Best. It's like the Caesars Palace of the West Midlands, basically. Uh, yes. I mean, with more rubbish on fire, I would imagine. <laughs> but, um, yes, I, I didn't watch the Wales game live, and it's probably for the best because I think I would yeah. be quite angry. <laughs> I was gigging for the, uh, the the Friday night game. Then I was I watched the Wales game at home because I, I was gigging Saturday night. I listened to the uh, England game on the radio in the car. But um, I did unfortunately watch the Wales game live. I mean, to be honest with you, you didn't miss much watching missing France Italy because no, was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, it, did, it didn't look great on Scrum Five, to be honest. <laughs> I watched it on Friday, and I can confirm it was absolutely awful. Was it, bad? <laughs> it was... Well, that that well, the first half was. T- well, those two teams were to rugby what concrete was to having an enema in the first half, basically. They were absolutely clueless mm. and just smashing everything up with absolutely little sense whatsoever. However, <clears throat> I did learn this weekend that distribution Bastero is the future. Yes, that was really? weird, wasn't it? So basically, he was... Over highlights. Well, he was running about a lot, but basically he kept taking the ball up straight and then kind of scissoring it off. It was bizarre. Passing. It was like... he was going up to the line and passing the ball all the time. I had no idea what was going on. I think this no, is what was... this is what Brexit brings. Distribution yeah. Bastero. I mean, he's undoubtedly the fattest man to play rugby in test, oh, in test rugby in the modern era. I mean, God, that that white French change jersey just did absolutely <laughs> nothing for him. I mean, white is not slimming, and but like it was bizarre because he was just offloading like he was Sonny Bill Williams, and I it made no sense. At all, He's but a then... imagine trying to. I mean, I, I was good mates with Martin Madden in his in his prime, and it was the same sort of build as, as Bastro, like huge, big ass, big legs, big everything, <laughs> low centre of gravity, barreling towards you, so difficult to stop. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't blame Italy's tacklers for not fancying it to an extent because they've not fancied much of anything this tournament. No. Let's be honest, but. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. To, he's got zip now. It's like he spent all that time. He's got banned for saying homophobic things, just like doing sprints or something, because all of a sudden he's got burst. He actually genuinely played well. 
Yeah. Which genuinely. kind of completely ran against the narrative I was hoping for. <laughs> Massively so. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's he did genuinely play well. Uh, France did enough to win without showing anything even resembling ability to play rugby as a coherent oh, I mean, lump. How does that happen, though? Do you know what I mean? the, the French domestically is strong. There's a lot of money there. They've traditionally been one of my favourite teams to watch. So why is it gone so badly? Is it the I, coaching? What I think it? there's an issue, if you're asking me, I think there's there's an issue in the way that the top 14 actually wants to play rugby. It tends to be a lot yeah. of absolutely massive, powerful lads yeah. without much to it. I think there's a problem, and it showed as soon as they got... They tried to play a 19-year-old scrum half, um, outside half at the beginning of the tournament. He got injured. The next one off the rank was Lionel Boxes, who's 31 and failed before, yeah. and then on the bench was Trandu. There's something about key decision-making positions have been taken by people who aren't French in a lot of the leading yeah. teams. I think that's a problem. That was, that gen- was a, with English rugby not that long ago, you look at the, the, you know, in, in the top flight in England, was, wasn't there a time when there was there were no, there were no English eligible halfbacks, or there was two, I think maybe in the, in the, in the entire league, there were like two English eligible halfbacks to start in, starting games. Well, the thing is, you look at the, you know, the, England are just lucky that Owen Farrell and George Ford seem relatively, in like, free from injury all the time because I mean where would they go you know Marcus Smith who's about 11 years old Piers Francis who's inexplicable inexplicable. Danny Cipriani who Eddie Jones has some sort of like voodoo hex against and and where would you go from there you know that you look at it's and but France like it's not just the the scrum halves and the the fly offs it's like the entire back division, effectively, in a, for a lot of those big top 14 teams, are all imports, and it's no wonder they look like a fucking shower of shit. I mean, God, in that first half, it wasn't... I don't it think... It wasn't... It was just bad, wasn't it? I don't think the FFR and the league talk to each other much either, do they? So no. there's no sort of plan in place to do... There's there's not much partnership working, shall we say, between no, those two No, the FFR times. don't give a fuck about the French national team, and it shows. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, that first half was probably one of the worst halves of international rugby I've watched in... You know, true story about the, uh, the FFR. I say true, I mean, this is probably hugely uh, slanderous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Won't see you next week. <laughs> yeah. During the Vichy regime, do you know this sort of about rugby in France? Oh, yeah. But go on. That the, 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 basically the, uh, the Vichy regime, the, the sort of pro-Nazi right-wing regime... Mm-hmm. Um, saw rugby a trend, rugby league, which is much more popular at the time, as like a, a leftist communist threat. And they basically shut down all the rugby league clubs, took all the money off the rugby league clubs and gave it to the French Rugby Union. Yeah, I think it, was their, it was their preferred game for manliness, still wasn't the it? Cash. I think they still owe the rugby league a load of money, you know? I have heard that story on no, more than one true. occasion. No, it is true. Yeah. It is. It's one of the biggest, just like here... The rugby league, the Trezis in France, are really pissed off with rugby union from a <laughs> yeah. structural point of view. Also, as I well, watched it for the old days when they used to have Ray on, uh, used to be on grandstand with like Ray French and those people out when they used to show their weekly rugby league on there. You know, mm. Carcassonne, Santa Step, it was great. You know, it, 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 it was like the opposite of Eddie Butler. It, it, rather than some swat trying to sound French. It was some bloke thinking, sod you, I'm going to say it how I think it sounds. <laughs> but the, um, Unfortunately, that's where I got most of my pronunciation from, is watching early 90s foreign sports things and thinking that's how you say things like Valencia. Failed your French exams. 
Yeah. But the thing, the thing is, rugby union does have a history of being linked with sort of oppressive regimes because it was the choice of the British Empire, obviously. Yeah. You've already mentioned Vichy. Nicolau Cha- Nikolai Ceausescu loved it Love in Romania. Rugby. I've got a funny yeah. feeling he played for Romania or something. He, he, well, he could do whatever he wants, couldn't he? I'm playing on Saturday, <laughs> lads. He's going to kill them all. So, I mean, the thing is, since he went, there's been a huge decline in the success of rugby in Romania. I mean, there's been a huge decline in political killings and the like as well. So, you know, roughly the six and two threes and all that, you know. It's, um, anyway, how did we get onto that? Oh, yeah, France. Yeah, it was okay. terrible. They yes. were terrible. Italy they were terrible. terrible. Uh, it wasn't like just like two bald men fighting over a comb. It was like two bald men fighting over like a, one of those electronic sheep shearer things. It was just fucking... They got a bit better in the second half, France. Italy did not. No, well, Italy just basically got really tired. And then France just thought, oh, fine, we'll score some tries. They won't be good ones. And we'll still make it as hard for ourselves as possible. But we'll score a couple. Italy played in... And the game was played in Marseille, of course, on a Friday night. Because it's the first time France have had the Friday game. In fact, it's the first time the Friday game's not been at at, um, DJ Spoonie's Cardiff nightclub. That's not actually... France, the French invented that bollocks. Did they? Um, and then we said we'd take it for a couple of years. And then we said, no, we're not doing it anymore. And uh, then the French have had it back and they've shipped it down to Marseille. And it was, there were quite a few empty seats. So I'm, mm. I'm, assuming, I'm interested to see if there, was even more, there would have been even more empty seats on a Friday. At least the Sunday rugby gone now, isn't it? Sunday the rugby's Sunday disappeared in all that fixture, thankfully, isn't it? This, no, it's been they're still playing it. They have one. They're still going to do it. Yeah, they had last week, last time. They'll have it. They didn't have it this week because yeah. they had Friday. They'll have yeah, Sunday they'll next week, and then they have Sunday. Super. Oh, are they going to stop it? They're talking about stopping it. Maybe for next season. Possibly. I hope so. I think it's the I like... best idea of all time. The Sunday fixture. I, I always like it when on Saturday, particularly when because the French don't give a shit about it going on late, like mm, true. two o'clock kickoff, five o'clock kickoff, eight o'clock kickoff. Thank you very much, my Saturday. Half two in the morning, whatever, it doesn't yeah, matter. don't care, don't care, it's fine. Saturday night, what There's nothing better than when your telly threatens to turn itself off because you've been sat <laughs> on the same channel watching rugby oh, all yes. day. Are you, are you still, this will go into standby. In fact, no. <laughs> yeah. Are you still watching this? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah, so anyway, th- what I learned was that, yeah, Bastro, new Bastro is the future, oh. so he's, I liked uh, Camera, the, oh, the, the yes. back row for France. Um, he was very, very good. He is exactly what they need. Like they need more people, like energetic, athletic, players. Bit of hands. Well, yeah. Bring but back Olivier the... Magny. He looked in rare form when he was on yeah, uh, actually... the telly the other week. He looked in great. He does. Form. I mean, to be fair, he looked like he could still do a job. He definitely he looked a lot fitter than most of the people. most of the French forwards. He looked a lot fitter than. Bring back Michelac. That's what I say. How, how are they fitter in the old days when they all changed smoke? That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's your answer. Appetite suppressors. Maybe, maybe it's the quality of the French cigarette. You know, maybe a Jutan isn't quite if it's as sponsored by Jutan. I'd love it. <laughs> Those were the see. Uh, we were probably smoking horrible, filterless Rollies, and therefore we were fucked. Whereas they were smoking lovely Jutans, and That's so true. they still maybe. I mean, there's no science there, but it sounds like a good. Oh, it sounds like I'll exactly. That's fine. <laughs> it sounds incredible. So let's roll with it. So that was so Italy was shy. Italy were garbage. I mean, Conor Murray, Conor O'Shea was just, um, I don't know, just think, fuck my life every day. Because <laughs> what else is he supposed to do? Imagine the club, the club teams are doing better. Treviso yeah, well, have won more games than the Dragons this year. So. I know, but... It's, it's such a great place to live, though. Imagine being over there. That's the thing, isn't it, yeah. 
I suppose you wouldn't fuck your life when you get up and sit on your veranda. Oh, I think or my life is amazing. I don't give a shit about the rugby results. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he knows that for all the talk of like the, him having a three-year plan to sort of turn around Italian rugby, deep down in his heart of hearts, he knows that the plan to turn around Italian rugby is going to take about a decade at best. Plus, he wants to be next off the rank when Joe Smith takes his uh, albino toddler's face back down to New Zealand, doesn't he? This is very true. Although I'm not sure that coaching Italy is the great way. I mean, yeah, I know but you Jacques can Brunel. say international experiences on your that's re- true. On your resume, can't you? I mean, if Jacques Brunel can <laughs> fail forward, then why can't he? <laughs> <laughs> right. Enough of that game because it was terrible. Oh, it was fucking shit, wasn't it? Here's what, um, I, here's what I learned from the weekend: using long shot cameras of a pre-game nothing push and shove then enhancing the pictures, then showing them on the telly, then causing an esti- causing an investigation is a twat's Stole trick. It's a twat's trick. Ab- but why would ab- you even do it? Why would you even do it? You'd have to look so hard to find that, I suppose. Have you seen the footage? Right. But even with the footage, you can see nothing. No, no. Yeah, it's, like... it's like watching JFK. It's like, the, it's like you see a couple of <laughs> pixels and you work out from, from those three pixels, there were three blocks from Cuba with like high-powered rifles behind a grassy knob. One of them was Just Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bollocks. So yeah, so they're actually, actually going to be an investigation. Mike Brown on the grassy knoll, though. So <laughs> there was actually there is actually going to be an investigation. They've passed it to the Six Apparently Nations that... Committee. Well, they passed it. They passed it to the URG, haven't they? The URG, yeah. The yes. Untoward Incident Review Group, which took how long which... to decide France had no case to answer? Eight uh, months. About six, eight months. <laughs> yeah. So given their well, fabulous t- track record of absolute bollocks and doing fuck all, uh, I think we know so this. The, the referee's got no jurisdiction before a game. <laughs> so, Which I think is bollocks, surely. Like, like the, the look on Johnson and uh, and O'Connell's face when Inverdale spouted that oh, one out, to say, as if we fucking would have done that, yeah. Oh, God. We'll get on to him later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been building up for that. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the ridiculous. So now, basically, they're all the PR machines of both unions are in the press now, aren't they? Saying it was literally saying, "No, sir, it was him. No, sir, it was him." Oh, what? Well, they should both just say, "Listen, there's nothing happened." Yeah, they should just both be saying, "There's nothing to it. Just forget about it. Everyone's oh, fine." I mean, oh yeah, it's what about very you? silly. Isn't it? Anything else on the weekend for you, Josh? Um, I learned that Wales's problem isn't their actually their attacking game. It's not even Dan Bigger or Liam Williams or anybody else who's blatantly unfit. I think their problem is probably the pack because they got absolutely fucking. I tell you, you're right there. You're 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 dead right, and I think it comes down to something even simpler than that, right? I think it's just leadership on the field. We I mean, haven't had it for a long time. I, I was I told my old manager who's an old school, you know rugby bloke himself. And I said, can you imagine, can you imagine, uh, they, they got a game plan, Sean Edwards on about the 200 tackles all week and uh, whatever, 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 right? So they're going to try and tackle the ball, stay high, do, do this, that and the other. That painfully isn't working, right? No. At what point does, does your captain, Alan Wynne-Jones is a fantastic player, he's an engine, he's amazing on the field, right? He's not a captain. And we haven't, we haven't got a captain in the squad. You need, you need someone to grab it by the scruff of the neck, get the boys in and say, what the fuck are you doing? 
this isn't good enough. We've, I don't care. I don't care what the coach says. I said this. This wouldn't have happened with Martin Johnson on the field. It wouldn't have happened back in the old days with Willie John McBride. And I'm, and I'm trolling at old names here. I just mean a proper leader. No, uh, and we've we, we've chatted about this on the podcast before. Alan Jones is without doubt a leader on the field, but whether he is a captain, yeah, is yeah. a different issue. And and it's not going to say by example, but that, that means nothing when we're getting penalised every fucking two minutes. Well, yeah, and you, I honestly think like. More than ever before, it's been evident that we miss Sam Warburton. It's been in these last three games because the back row, like, while it's built of good constituent parts, just yeah. looks horribly unbalanced. And like, when do when do you ever see? I like it's. I know it's halcyon days, but when do you ever see somebody these days in the, in the Welsh team, particularly when there's an injury, getting the boys in? And giving them a good talking to and saying mm-hmm. what they want to see, like the, the stuff with bigger, all that bullshit about trying to get people yellow carded and hands up in the air and all that stuff. It needed Alan Wynne Jones to grab him, grip him, and say, "What the what the hell are you doing? You know, just play rugby, just man up, play rugby, and stop being such a prick, right?" <laughs> but, but he didn't do that. No one did that to him. I couldn't, if, if they did it, I didn't see it. You know no, what I mean? There is something about it, and often there's discussions about the changing nature of captaincy in the modern game. And is is the captain? And, and one argument is is that the captain's primary role is to be a referee manager. Yeah. And if that is true, if that well, is the case, we, then fa- I'm not saying that's the case. But if that, if that is, yeah, massively miss Warburton in that regard, anybody would, to be honest. Yeah. But if that is the case, you still need, I think, what you're talking about, Mike. You still need somebody who can pull people in because the Lions. A second test was or the first test, whichever one it was. That needed people to when Marco Viripola was losing his shit everywhere. Mm, yeah. Somebody needed to pull him in and go, You need to calm the fuck down. Otherwise <laughs> exactly. you're gonna fuck yeah. this up completely. And nobody seemed to do that. And I, I asked the question of why wasn't Warburton doing it? But if you think, well actually Warburton needs his time to make sure he's managing the ref, who else is doing it then? I don't know. But your point yeah. still stands, Mike. I think it's if you're going to have somebody to talk to ref. You need somebody who can do that job. I think still. I know it's, watch, I know it's a modern game now and sports science and all that. But actually, you still sometimes do need somebody to pull people in and go. This is what we need to do now. Everybody, calm the fuck down. You watch the breakdown where Wales got absolutely played off the park on, on Saturday. Just standing off it. I mean, I can understand the modern ethos now. You don't overcommit to a ruck, right? Yeah. But you've got to at least commit enough people to get your own ball back. Yeah. That and we didn't do that. Just stood off, waiting for stuff to happen. Didn't turn him over at all all game, and and lost our own board. It was just, and I, I slagged the referee off on on Twitter because I thought he had a, he had a stinker. I thought it was um, he did to be fair, fairly one sided. Yeah. But yeah. they made a good point on Scrum Five that if you're winning those collisions and if you're going forward in those in those breakdown situations, you're going to tend to get the rub. You, you, you're going to get all this fifty fifty stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my issue my issue with the ref was more the fact that. Two of those Irish tries were absolutely scandalous and should never have been awarded. But <laughs> first half, I I, I don't think he, I think he caught crossing once in the first forty minutes, and Ireland did it probably twelve times. I can't like, remember. But what... you can't you can't Wales no team again, on that day no team can expect to absorb what Wales are absorbing and win a game. Oh no! If it wasn't those tries, not... it would have been something else. Yeah. Because Ireland Ireland's... the best team, but even that yeah. thing with the crossing. If you think that's a situation where that the referee, maybe Southern Hemisphere interpretation, he's letting that go, it comes back to leadership on the field again to say, right, lads, we can either try to get people carded and, and mode the referee, or we can just play it with our own game or try to. Yeah, do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, this is where you miss someone like, you know, because there is no, genuinely, I don't think, any better 
manager of a referee as a captain than Warburton because he's so fucking good at getting the ref on side and communicating with them clearly and kind of bringing them round to his way of thinking. He does it on the Lions. He did it for Wales. And, and we just missed... Because to be honest, I think Alan Wynn is kind of more of the the kind of leader that you're talking about. There's somebody that fucking grabs somebody by the scruff and goes, fucking hell, lads, come on, let's sort this shit out. But like you say, when is when is time is being taken up having chats with referees about interpretations of breakdown or when they should be releasing the tackle or hands on the floor and all that. He's having a chat with the ref. He's not over there in the huddle fucking clipping people around the back of the head and telling them to buck their ideas up. But it was just really disappointing, to be honest, because I thought Wales had more leaders than that. And it's also the fact that nothing... We said this in the first week, Wales' pattern... (laughs) seems to move the ball away from the ruck when they when they finally win their ball, Mike, pick it up on your but when they do, they move the ball away from the ruck way too quickly, way too far. It goes out to 10 too far away, and then usually they end up kicking it away. It was yeah. interesting that when they finally did go from ruck, when, when Gareth Davis actually gave the ball to Shingler off that ruck who drove forward, they scored mm. the try. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it just didn't happen very much. They're not mixing up the play off the back of the ruck, and I can't work out whether. Why do we get runners inside ten? And why, why yeah, why... oh, that drives me insane. Yeah, they don't, oh. they don't have anything running off nine or ten. It's just incredible. But it's um, and I can't work out whether the Scotland game was a weird aberration, and Gatlin's because it does seem the last two games have been more Gatlandy. It's gone back to that the pattern of kicking thought, the ball I away. I really close. I thought that would be a real pearler of a game. Yeah. And we blew, we blew him out of the water. And I, and I, I couldn't work it out. I, you know, and after the last two games, it's, it's more, more of a mystery, to be honest. Well, I honestly don't blame Gatland for sort of going back to tried and tested on Saturday. Because, like, after what happened with some of the younger heads against England... And given that we were still winning the chance of, you know, winning the tournament, it's it's not totally beyond the realms. You know, what we desperately needed in that England game was Dan Bigger to just fucking put the leather on it and kick sensibly and not stupidly. Yeah. And, for, and, I don't, and equally, you know, Liam Williams is... This is the same thing to England, Josh. You're kicking, you're putting the ball in front of a good back three. Yeah. You can take that shit all day long. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. And it's bad bad kicking has doomed Wales in two games. <laughs> and the England, like... the England Wales game was if Wales had most of the possession in that game. So you could mm. actually give some territory there and some shape and expect to get the ball, but it was a completely opposite against Ireland. They didn't have any ball. No. And, and like... 70% Irish possession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you give you get the ball out of Dan Bigger when you're getting absolutely monstered on the deck. And of course he's gonna kick it because he's in his own half. And every time you take the ball into contact, there's a hell of a chance that you're going to turn it over because you're getting absolutely butchered on the floor. And I don't blame him. Like, I wish he hadn't kicked it away because we are becoming specialists at making fucking elderly fullbacks look world class. <laughs> Mike Brown one week, Rob Carney the next. Like, Rob Brown, as much as he gets on my wick sometimes. I mean, I defended him on Twitter, which was at first because I. <laughs> like, I thought he played really well against Wales. But yeah, he did but play very well. Absolutely. We we didn't make him look good. We gave him the opportunity to be good against Absolutely, him. yeah. And it was the same with Carney on the weekend. We just gave him absolutely... I bet he's know, it. Yeah, it, we just let him have space to run into. We let have him easy. Like, so why did we start George North? Because when he came on, Carney looked mildly terrified. Well, yeah, and who can blame him? Because North looked absolutely rampant. And it's just, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I guess. I'll make, like, make a few... Uh, 
selection changes for the for the Italy game. Not too many. <laughs> well, I, that's the. It's like I wonder what's going to happen now because he basically said after that game that like they were gonna they were sticking with the tried and tested in the Ireland game because he felt like it gave us the best chance to win. We were still within a chance of winning the tournament, but now that that's gone. The rest of this tournament is about seeing if certain players are test match capable. Oh, a... I, I, I put North in the centre. I put North as he gets more ball, but North in the centre. I, I probably put Petrol back in a flyer. I think Petrol will go back in at 10. I don't think George Hill should play centre. I think you're weak in two positions by doing that. You, Do you reckon? I don't, I well, you don't. He's, be, he's better as a winger. And I think there are better centres. The ball sense more, though. Like you said at the moment. Because but you can do that in other ways, can't you? That's, it, that's the frustration with Wales. They don't get the ball into George North's hands enough. I think if you play Patchell at 10, George North will get his hands on the ball a lot more. And think like about, if, see... if, if Eddie Jones managed that team, he'd, he'd have a first-phase move for every single first-phase to get George North's hands on the ball because that's what he's got at Eddie Jones' first-phase moves. They don't well, seem to well, have that. Me, as a, as a fan of George North, is I watched him, the one run down the right wing that he made, on that beautiful run he made. Mm. And I watched it... I was in real time. I, I, I clocked it, but I'm watching the replay. He, he got a smack in the head again. I, I, the way he goes into contact. I mean, he's a he's a beast of a bloke and a great player, but his head was in the way again, and he got hit in the head. And he, uh, you know, he, you, he, there, were, there were no ill effects. But I mean, if, if he'd have looked even slightly dazed after that, they would have had him off straight away for the head injury assessment. Yeah, and in many ways, it's kind of as much as I nobody should like any player getting any kind of knock on the head. It's kind of north of 18 months ago or a year ago would have gone into the contact quite tentatively because you could tell that he was st- and that's why he looked so poor for so long was because you could tell that he just didn't trust his body at that He's point scared, yeah and rightly fucking so yeah. who can blame him and if if he's sort of throwing himself as much as I don't want him to do himself any kind of damage the fact that he's not doesn't seem to be worried about it as much anymore. He made such a difference when he came on on Saturday. Oh, hugely. I I think for the next week, next week's game against Italy, I'd like to see him start in. I'd like to see Patchell or Anscombe at 10. And I really want them to fuck around with the back row a bit because I Moriarty... I'll go back in. He's got to be. He would, he's played well for Going forward. I mean, that's, that's what hopefully he'll do. Give us some go forward. I thought Moriarty pissed on his chips on Saturday. Yeah, he just looks... Like well, he barely played like two games Still since. Still made the Lions nineteen season. tackles. He did. He put himself about, but he just looks so. Anyway, short I'm going to stop this Wales is. talk for a minute because then we have yes. to talk about Ireland because obviously they did win the game. So. They played very well, and and I on they've they nearly fucked it up, bless them. But they, I think they've got they they're not as good as they looked against us because we gave them an awful well, lot. They have a serious people. possession to points problem. Yeah, and that's well, been the same all the way through. They did, and it was the, the, the same. Do the same against in, France. Yeah, the fact we are one pass away. I say we Wales. Yeah, we're one pass away from winning the game. Absolutely, should the never have been case. I mean, should, should never have happened. We should have been twenty points down at that point. Isn't yeah. it interesting? I thought that when you look at Jacob Stockdale twice in that game, rushed up on the outside. Once he he snuffed an attack out, and the second time he ran and he he picked up the interception and scored. Everyone's going, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic? Mm. That exact same thing was what's, what was used to hang Chris Ashton out to dry for his poor positioning. And yeah. they both played under an Andy Farrell defensive pattern. Yeah. Because actually, so... that's what he asks the outside defender to do. That defence is And if it doesn't, so come, narrow. Off, if it doesn't come off, you, everyone goes, look at what kind of positioning is that? Is that because that's how he's, where he's been told to go? There was yeah. a three-on-one. If that pass had gone to hand, there was a three-on-one. Yeah, they were in. And all if, of he, if, he, if he'd floated it to Tipperick, 
on inside yeah. of Stockdale yeah. he was in. Yeah, and that's the thing. They were so like what? Well, I scored three tries. Two of them were out on the wings, and that's because that when you look at that defence on the replays, holy shit, it's narrow. And it was the same on the Lions tour. That's a, a, a characteristic of the Farrell defence is that they defend really narrow. And like you say, if that winger... It's the characteristic of all modern defences. They rush up to cut out the outside channel and yeah. we'll come out to our Scotland dealt with that in a minute. But I think the thing with Ireland is it's easy to criticise them for not putting the game to bed, but they did win it. And I think actually Absolutely. they've got... They're dominating games enough for it to start to come right. Well, they've got the best pack in the tournament. By well, they did what Scotland did to England. They just beat us up up front. The breakdown, you know, mm. I, I thought they smashed us up front on yeah. Saturday. I thought one of the most disappointing things about the whole weekend for me as a Welsh fan, to be honest, was how poor the, th- the three Welsh starting front rowers were because they're usually so excellent. Mm. And Ken, Samson and Rob Evans were all just he hooked them really all, poor. He hooked them all off on 60 minutes, didn't he? Yeah, we Less can blame him. They were shite. Off. <laughs> they were solid enough at the set piece, although they didn't, weren't in any way dominant. But they just offered nothing in the loose. And especially for Ken Owens and Rob Evans, you expect them to be contributing. And they just weren't. And it was a weird collective, just none of them seemed, none of the pack seemed to really fancy it. But yeah, I think we need... credit to Ireland, particularly that well, back, the back row. Peter Amani definitely should have got sent off for an absolutely shameless clear out on Lee Halfpenny's face. But other than that, he was fucking brilliant. He was everywhere, and that's what Wales were lacking. Was someone? Who's, like the, uh, who's the Irish commentator on the um, on the game Saturday? Not, not in the studio. Not uh, not O'Connell. Who's the, who's the fella on the doing the live call? Darcy. Darcy. Terrible. God, he was sad. Darcy trying to say it when well, they showed that in replay when he got kicked in the face, <laughs> but it was accidental. I thought, well done. Because <laughs> he oh, also yeah, talked yeah. about how Wales can't run intricate passing manoeuvres correctly, and he went on and on and on because basically Halfpenny had a ball thrown directly at both his hands and dropped it. And Darcy <laughs> tried to be clever and talk about tactical patterns, like, no, he's just dropped the fucking ball, Gordon. Yeah, just say yeah. he should have caught it, and he didn't. That's basically what happened. Yeah. Anyway, and also said that he'd made like an absolutely amazing tackle when once again Lee Halfpenny got his head on the wrong side, <laughs> and probably could have ended up sat in a yeah. concussion test. But yeah, I, I credit to why I thought Sexton goal kicking aside, like his pass for that first try was fucking sublime. It was and um, not the best pass of this weekend, but we'll come to that. Um, we need to come to that now because we've talked about yeah, this far okay, too long me, without yeah. talking yeah, about Scotland um, and England. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. So, before we talk yeah. about this, obviously, has everyone seen the video of Laidlaw drunk in the oh, pub? Glorious, isn't Brilliant. it? Well, if you haven't, the best bit about it is the last two syllables. Listen to this. 
<laughs> I'll just throw that in at the end. I do love the fact that even though they're professional players, they look like every rugby club I've ever been on the piss with. Because he's got like a for for because this always happened for reasons you can't explain. He's got a makeshift headband on. I don't even know what that's been made of. And he's and he's singing with his eyes closed. He's pulling his shirt open as he's singing for no. There's no logical reason to do it. He's just doing it anyway. The only two times those things ever happen are rugby club socials and (laughs) weddings. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Tie around the head. Still up my feet professional rugby that clip. Yeah, it does. I thought they got the week off next week because they, they got the extra long sort of, you know, the extra week off. I thought that was fantastic. You must have said, must they? Off you go, lads, and enjoy yourself. If you're not going to go and get pissed with your mates after that victory, when oh, you no. get pissed with your mates. So speaking of that victory, good Lord, that was the Scotland, that was the Scotland performance I expected in Cardiff. Yeah. Well, That's why spent... when people say, oh, well, they've shot the boat, they're a one-trick pony, everyone's bigging them up. Well, actually, no, because they're capable of doing that. That's why people do think they might finally turn the corner. It was so good. Yeah. They, well, Finn Russell basically spent his fortnight off just getting his fucking head right because he was an absolute shambles. In we said that two games. weeks ago, didn't we? It's interesting because yeah. sh- we, like, we did say we hope that Townsend is just going to pull him in and say, keep doing what you're good at. No problem from my point of view, Finn. Just keep doing what you're good at. And that's obviously what he's done. Yeah, because like as we said in one of those things, you know, he is one of those players where, like, he's got a lot. He backs himself, and he's got a massive faith in his own ability. And when it's not going to plan, it's not good because he'll try and force things and try to do ever more ridiculous things with it. But when it's going right and he's on one, fucking hell, he's good. Well, there's very he's one of the few people in the world that could have made that pass. Oh, what's interesting about that pass is. But also, I think people aren't talking enough about, again, Hugh Jones's angle. Because oh, it's the angle, angle that makes the pass. Because if he doesn't run that angle, there's not, you don't get to make that pass. But also, Hugh Jones was absolutely outstanding. On, on, unbelievably good. Yeah. I think I tweeted about it. I said, you know, what's the most disappointing part of Welsh history? You know, Is it the, the exploitation of our natural resources? Is it our lack of sovereignty? Or not signing Hugh Jones? Like, he's got... But but he's also he's English eligible. He's he's Welsh eligible. That's I think right, he's yeah. eligible, yeah. you know played for anybody basically. But yeah, they only fa- they only found him because they spotted a Scottish flag next to his name on the Wikipedia page for the university he was in in South Africa. Is that right? On the player yeah. list, yeah. yeah. The Scottish trawling the world guy. A freaking medal. Honestly, the the Scot whoever's I think it's what's his face. He used to coach uh, Glasgow. Uh, Sean Lenine. Well, this, um, is, this is almost like a again. I go back to the NFL. This this is we call a general manager. The, the people sort of find the talent, you know. Yeah. Who's ever unearthed him? And born yeah, I think it's Sean, Sean Lenine's in in charge of the the Exiles program, and his job is effectively. I think it was pre Sean Lenine, but it was that was guy. It, it was the guy who's yeah. The, whoever that was, Scottish it, rugby it, employer guy to troll the world, finding eligible people. Basically, well, what where they found that? Yeah. And equally, you know, they they've. They found, you know, Rob Harley's one of those guys, and and uh, what's his face, Josh Strauss, yeah. Simon Bergen, yeah, you know, they've they've done a really great job of finding players that are qualified but on the fringes well, of wherever they've the been born. For me, it was the performance of the first three rounds of the Silver Six Nations. I thought he was fantastic on the weekend. Yeah, that's the thing. He has been see, Hugh Jones has been brilliant. Has been excellent because he can run an angle. I'm sorry to keep banging on about this. Yeah, he's the only he person who runs proper angles. 
He runs better lines than probably any centre in the world right now, to be he honest. He runs better and, lines than Rob Evans, but nobody does, that's why. Well, no, nobody does that, you know. But, like, that, when they played him in that first game at 12, he had an absolute fucking shocker. But yeah, as soon as he went back game, to, though, didn't they? It's hard to... Uh... But as soon as he went back to 13, though, boom, brilliant again. And, It's a yeah. simple game, isn't it? Like, you, when you watch a game and you watch a lot of rugby, you can see a straight away when, when, a, play, when a play starts to uh, unfold, if someone's running the right angle... You just know there's going to be, at the very least, a break and a yeah. nice run, and, and, yeah. po- and quite possibly a try. Right? His timing and his, his angle, like you said there, Lee, his angles are running with and without the ball. Mm. Fantastic! Because you're just keeping the defence honest as well. When he didn't get the ball, he was such a threat. The people yeah, were shooting themselves about. People were about worried. Exactly. Protecting that channel as well, you know. But it's yeah, and the. Let's talk about the back row for a minute, shall we? Because oh. we said last well, week, and I imagine Scottish listeners out there will quite right, I've been taking stick for this all week. However, I will ask them to say, would you have disagreed with me at the time? And no. maybe at the time, which they wouldn't have done. Because I expected, I think the words I used was that it would be like a boot stamping on a human face for the rest of eternity, what the English pack were going to do. And we did worry, as we did say, it was great. We love Hamish Watson on this pod more than anybody else does. You know, great, good, great periods. Ryan Wilson had showed nothing. I went to Murrayfield and saw them against France, and apart from Grant Gilchrist, it didn't look good up front. No. He worked hard, but again, he was amazing again this weekend, by the way. But then they just they massive, and it just showed you you don't need phys- a lot of people. A lot of people have been saying that Scotland physically beat um, England, but I think they actually technically yeah, beat them. It was a, it yeah. was a technical. It was there's something about the ferocity of technique. If the, yeah. I'm claiming that, that phrase. Try, I'm not sure if it was which try it was. Um, they scored in the, in the left corner. Yeah. You're talking about, really about ball carrying back rowers. Well, there were two flankers in that move. Yeah. You know, and they weren't and, weak links. It wasn't. It wasn't like no. Barkley's little offload to keep it going when he sort of ran into contact, turned around, and yeah, papped it off, to, and then Laidlaw spun it out, and it was uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, I can't even remember Maitland. who scored it in the corner. Maitland, yeah. yes, brain died. Um, but yeah, I, I just look. was looking watching that game in my shitty Birmingham hotel room and just thinking, like, England are not going to win games against good teams with this little dynamism and pace in the back row. Because they kind of didn't... They covered over that in the, in the first half against Wales and in the game against Italy. And what can England do to but change I, anything? Well, they had, they had Sam Simmons at eight in, those first, mm. in the first half against Wales and in, um, in the Italy game. And... He's like Simmons is dynamic. He's rapid. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But in that in that it. game, what does bringing Richard Wigglesworth and Jack Noel on achieve? Nothing. <laughs> but you, but you've got like Laws and and Robshaw, and they're fine if they've got somebody who can scare defenses a little bit with pace and with with agility and with a bit of dynamism about them. But like, you put Laws, Robshaw, and uh, barely fit Nathan Hughes into that equation. And all of a sudden, you've just got three big blokes with very little zip very, about them. Yeah, they just look pedestrian, don't they? It yeah, massively so. I think when England go 10 points up, you've got a problem. Mm. When they go 10 points down, they've England have a serious problem. I don't really know what, you know, especially in a game like that, they don't seem to be able to turn around what's happening. Now, I don't want to make too many conclusions from this, but what I, because in a way, I think this has been coming. I've been saying since the autumn they've not been yeah, playing very I well. Like they've that. got a creativity problem. I think this, everyone just pointing back to what oh, they've not lost a game in two years completely misses the point of what, you know, it's all very well going to Argentina and winning while the Lions tour's going on. 
you know, mm. what does that, it might help you to give you an idea of some of young players, but I just, you know, I think this has been coming. I think they've got a serious problem. We've got a serious problem because actually people are saying, how can you solve this problem? And the answer seems to be James Haskell. Mm. Oh dear. Now, how can an incident, and now everyone knows my feelings on Haskell, right? But actually just being objective for a minute. How can, if your problem is going to be solved by bringing back a 32 year old workhorse back rower. Yeah. Then no what pets. the fucking hell no. are we doing? I know. Well, well, look at, you know, the the options that they've got in that back row. Like, okay, he got his yellow card for a bit of stupid, bit of reckless tackling. But England instantly looked better with Underhill at seven. He is a fucking incredible player. He's going to be a superstar on that team. Yeah. You can tell. What a great pair of shoulders as well. I know. He just looks like, he looks absolutely menacing. Just standing still. It's just like somebody that, he looks like a shark. And he's he's so quick and he's so dynamic. And I remember from the Ospreys, he runs such a beautiful line if you let him. Mm. And he can support the play so much, like so well. And it's like you, I I don't understand why Eddie's just going, yeah, big lads, big lads, big lads, big lads. I think, it's, and it, you should always look. I know, it's, I know, it's, a, it's fairly obvious to see it. But always look to New Zealand because they're the best yeah. team in the world, and, you know, and I've been for a long, long time. And they've moved away if they ever were in that, in that, you know, they've moved away from that, <laughs> and they want mobile, fast, athletic yeah. pack. You know, it's not about lumbering fellas around with carpets under their arms. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and you look at the balance of the like first choice New Zealand back row, and it's like Kieran Reid's. You know, all court Superman, do whatever the fuck he wants. Quick, hard, everything. Like a young me. Well, exactly. Yeah. And then you've got Jerome Kaino, who's a fucking hard bastard and big and carries and tackles. And then you've got Sam Kane, who's small and he's good over the ball and he links the play well. Balance. And there's no. People always keep saying, don't they? Oh, you don't really need a fetcher anymore in modern rugby. It's like, well, how come all the best teams still fucking have them then? (laughs) Exactly. Well, exactly. And people say that the flank, yeah, that they're interchangeable. Oh, oh, there's no real open sides and blind sides anymore. Well, there should be. They fucking clearly <laughs> needs to be. Yeah. And there is and, in teams that have a proper fucking back row. Yeah. So this is what pisses got, me off. They haven't even got open sides and blind sides. They've got a blind side and a fucking lock as yeah. their flankers. And as much as Courtney Laws works his ass off, I, I honestly feel like Eddie Jones is kind of it's weakness on his part because he just needs to make a fucking decision. And he also, but he won't, he won't, he'd, rather, them. he'd rather play Courtney Laws at six and call up Don Armand from Exeter. Yeah. And that or, makes no sense. It's almost like yeah. now, even if he thinks he's wrong, he can't change his mind now, Eddie Jones. He's yeah, a funny I, think brother, isn't he? I think that's a massive thing. He's like, he doesn't, that's he feels like it, he'll look weak if he suddenly changes his tack. And a perfect, exa- like, a perfect example. Zach Mercer, for example. He had a good two game. Tries yeah. Bath, yeah, had a two good tries game. for Bath on the weekend. Salatow beautifully assisting one of them, by the way. But, um, I'm always, you know, I'm always loath to, to. I think it's a bit of a fool's errand to fall into the just chuck some young lad in a little sort. Oh, people are talking about Marcus Smith and all sorts. I think everyone needs to calm down a bit. I think he will be praying to every and any god he believes in Eddie Jones that Manny Tuolangi stays fit well, and gets yeah. to back to doing what he does, and that Billy Vanapola comes back pretty quickly because I think without Billy in particular, it looks it it looks troublesome. And Mike Brown to to be to go back to him for a minute <laughs> no team I'm not going to be he's a knob right I don't yeah. think he's a bad player I think that Mike Brown is the best 
fullback of his type around. And that might be Danning with fake praise. Yeah. He's a good player for that type of fullback. Again, I come back to the point, no great team does it without having a seven. There's no great team wins a World Cup with a shitty fullback. Yeah. It doesn't you really need happen. Somebody... Brown's one of those knobs that you'd want on your team. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I understand I, that. Yeah. I understand that. I know he yeah. winds people up the wrong way, but that's good. I mean, if, if I was English, I'd be living with Brown. I'm Welsh and I hate him, which is one of, <laughs> that's how it should be. It is effective. But yeah, I, I feel like if you put Anthony, and I, I honestly hope that he does put Anthony Watson at fullback at some point, because I just think, fuck, that guy is electric. He's a specimen. And yeah, well. he, might a miss, lad. he might miss a few more tackles. But it's not like my, you know, Mike Brown was putting his hand up to fucking make all the tackles at the weekend, really, was it? I'll ask you boys a question because you're, you're rugby experts, right? Just, <laughs> nice one, yeah. Briefly go back to the to the the Welsh team and the linking into the back row thing. What has Tipper got to do to get a start for Wales? Oh, mate, don't even get me started on this shit. I honestly don't see what Josh Navidi's playing fine for Wales, yeah. but I honestly don't Alex. see what. He's doing that Tipperick wouldn't do better, and also yeah. Tipperick knows how to play seven at international level. He's world class. When, when New Zealand say he'd be one of the first names on their team sheet, that should make you think, well, hang on a minute. He, I, had, I, he, had, he had some worries about his strength over the ball at that level for a while, didn't yeah. he? But I think that, I think, no, but I think that did get blown out of the water with his, certainly his Lions tour performance. And also, yeah. was and also exactly. Navidi's, Navidi's strong over the ball. But he's shit at the breakdown because the the days of jackaling being important has kind of gone mm. because it's so hard to jackal these days. What you need to be able to do is slow ball down and play the breakdown cleverly. And that's what Tipperick does. And that's what John Barkley does. Which, which brings us nicely onto John Barkley, yes, who yes. was. Remember last week we, when we talked about the last game, we said he, he seems to have forgotten shot. to do what he's doing, how yeah. he does the thing that he does. Yeah. yeah. And now he hasn't. The other thing is, to come back to the... To, my example about England's creativity problem, you will notice that, again, off first phase, we scored. Well, first phase, recycle, score. Yeah. Everything else, we was were screwed. Beautiful. Lovely pass, beautiful. by the way, and a lovely angle from Farrell. But, yeah, yeah but, uh, there wasn't a lot first else. First phase, again, because when, when, obviously, Jones can tell him, you stand there, you stand there, you stand there, you run then, you run then, you run then. That seems to work. Beyond yeah. that, we're struggling. It's leadership again, man. It's like we said about the, with the yeah. you know, it's on-field leadership. There's no doubt. There's, there's there's a bucket of talent in the in the England in the England. Back. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's 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 how you unlock that talent in a way that they actually because it's weird when they went on. I know it's like zero pressure, etc. But like when they went to to Argentina in the summer, they were throwing the ball around like nobody's business and scoring tries for fun. And now they genuinely look like well, they've played Italy and they've scored like. What is it? The third fewest point, or the second fewest points in the tournament behind, like they have, yeah. ahead of France yeah, and yeah, Italy. Yeah. It's like that's mad, you know. They they just they should be scored. Like look at look at the talent they're not selecting. You know, look at the talent that was playing in the Premiership this weekend. Guy Mercer, Danny Solomona. You know, if if Eddie honestly thinks that he can turn the current squad that he's got into an attacking force, then. He needs to start showing it now, otherwise, God, like he needs to start trying some of these other options because he's got loads Scott, of them. To give Scotland some more credit, we talked about kicking games earlier. Their mm. kicking game was on point on the weekend. Oh, game. it was fantastic, wasn't and it? Laidlaw's passing. Laidlaw looked like I don't know some kind of weird version of Aaron Smith. It was yeah. bizarre. Is all of a sudden he's like it's like in Claremont they've been kind of like 
I don't know, like beating him or something. Because <laughs> like his his distribution has suddenly got rapid and like incisive. He must be hanging, he must be hanging around with Morgan Parra. Must rub off. Well, that would explain. I why may look slow. A great night out of being for the Scots fans in uh, the Scots fans in Edinburgh. That must have been a bloody night for the ages on Saturday. Oh, can you imagine? I was in oh, Edinburgh God. for the France game, but yeah, it must have been absolutely incredible. Saturday <sighs> night as well. Late kickoff, uh, ease yourself into the night house. That's wonderful. Oh, you wouldn't even have to go to that tea time lull where you feel a bit tired. You'd just be straight out. No. <laughs> they, they quite like it, don't they? Up there? I've heard the rumour that they are a little bit fond of it, yeah. <laughs> Last point on the weekend, uh, Steve Ale Overly has been in touch, which is an Italian uh, account, and he says, I guess shit this week was the Italian rugby, the whole lot of it. Under-20s lost 78-12. The women lost 57-0. The Azuri lost 34-17. Both Pro 14 teams lost. Although the Italy under-18 did win against France. I mean, that I'd say that tiny but little... But it was the under-18 France B team. Oh, OK, <laughs> no mind then. So basically, yeah, it is worrying with Italy. We need to move I... on. We're losing time. Yes. Anything else yes. from the weekend quickly before we move on? Giant uh, prick. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a giant? Oh, Inverdale. Yeah, go on. Do you want to let loose on Inverdale? I've got plenty of time for that if you want to do that. Well, <laughs> we'll make time for that. Do you know what? I, I mean, I can't stand him at the best of times. Um, my mate, uh, Liam, I, I, I was slagging out. Um, I'm going to try and find this on Twitter now. Uh, I'll find it in a second. He, he had the best description of, um, of Inverdale. He said he reminds me of like a washed-up tennis pro at a country club. <laughs> just bangs like uh, elderly divorcees and then thinks he's some sort of Casanova. He's a fucking belling. I mean, <laughs> really is. But can you imagine? And I felt I, I stuck up. Uh, Will Carlin was was tweeting about um, you know they always the people jump on the English for being arrogant and, and with the other countries it's, it's just pride in your team. He's, he's got a point. I, I've got nothing against the English players. I've got nothing against Eddie Jones. If I was an English player or an English coach, I'd be pissed off with the with the press. Some of the dickheads in the press and on the, in the media just making it harder for the England team. When John Inverdale gets out there and talks about an Ireland England Grand Slam decider before the Scotland game, game. starts, yeah. that's got to piss everybody off, isn't it? It's a, it's, What's he doing? It's a, it's a. Does a he control the content dis- though? To try and give some defence to it, does he have a? Does he decide in the production meeting what they talk about? I think he decides what comes out of his mouth. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> when, when he about Nigel Owen, if he it? doesn't, Basically. then he has got an incredible scriptwriter, like because <laughs> it's every time, yeah. Yeah. Because when, when I mean to give the Scots zero credit after that game and to come out and say and basically say it was down to the referee, and then yeah, for imagine. O'Connell, O'Guskett. Just look embarrassed that they're in the same studio as the player. <laughs> I mean, I think... he played for like old Wangtonian sevens or whatever he played for back in the day, right? <laughs> I used to bang it on the fact he was still playing rugby. I'd love to play against the twat, but anyway. But, um... <laughs> Drag him round well, by his a... mullet. Oh, lovely. I don't know. I don't know what he does. I don't know what... Ser- I what don't understand why it continues. I do know that what? pundits and presenters tend to outstay their welcome on the BBC in particular. They don't seem to know when to get shot at people. I will That's say that. the thing, though. When ITV needed a fucking anchor for their Six Nations coverage, they hired him as well. Just a sexist... You can't get away from him. Banal anus. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's on John that, Inverdale, everybody. On that note, absolutely, I think we can all... Last on point. that note, I mean, uh, and, and, and a, another villain of the piece, 
less less likely, obviously. Nick Knowles. Oh yes, yeah. we got about, Yeah, I've got yeah, that. Shit, so God, yeah. We'll come on to and that he, in a minute. He, yeah. He compared he compared the fact that he was he, people slagging him up for having to go with the referee for Saturday. He compared it with the fact that Welsh moaned about the TMO the week the game before. And my point to him was, well, we moaned about that because that was proven to be an incorrect call, right? You're moaning about the fact that Nigel, Nigel Owens and his team, like the two touchers and the TMO just together, have made the correct call twice. You can't slag refs up for making the correct call. Uh, Nick Nell's eh? Uh, well, because because we just, because we just talked about that, I'm going to jump onto shit good very quickly. Yeah, because okay, let's go in because it. because John Wynn got in touch on email and he said shit for him this week was glorified site manager and David Brentes troubadour Nick Knowles and his, and his Twitter meltdown during the Scotland-England match when he claimed Nigel Owens was being deliberately biased against England in an attempt to gain revenge for the England-Wales game. He says then, he says, the colossal bellend then doubled that down by ignoring all the tweets that pointed out that O'Connell, Johnson and Guska all said Owens was spot on in his decisions and blustered about how he'd played rugby all over the world. He then oh, went on a biz- really? he then went on a bizarre reply-a-thon by tweeting any criticism of his attitude along with the word Welsh aimed at the sender. Yeah, yeah he was. He was brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a great read on, on the weekend. It was... Have you heard oh, his album, by the way? I had to go the, listen oh, to it. Say, the, the only thing that could make it worse was if he wrote and sang a ballad about it. I mean, it would be... His album is spectacularly bad. He, he can't ever have seen The Office. No. He's unbelievable. He's got an absolutely he massive head. I don't mean figurative. I mean, literally, his head is, like, massive. Awful. Watch, watch the one video, right? If you do nothing else tonight, Google one of his last videos when, he, when he's playing the guitar in inverted commas. There's a fellow who's never held a guitar before in his life. Watch his fingers on the fretboard. It's hysterical. It's amazing. I, I got sent his album complete with press release, and um, in it, he, which I mean, I didn't listen to it because I don't hate myself quite that much. But um, in it, he talked about how he discovered, he realised that he wanted to record some music when he was uh, sitting on a in a rooftop bar with Coldplay jamming after the Britain. <laughs> Which I mean, <laughs> come friendly bomb bombs and fall on that particular hotel rooftop bar. He also right said that there, what makes there. him different is how incredibly deep his voice was. That was his if like I'm... main USP. He's, He's got... not fucking Barry White, is he? <laughs> if I'm uh, ever world minister of justice, I'm gonna <laughs> first against the wall. I'm gonna make Nick Knowles and John Amadeo have a Spartacus fight to the death. <laughs> I'm gonna crucify the winner. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Have you got anything yeah. else of shit from the weekend? Shit. Um, Dylan Hartley is now England's second most capped player. And talk about leadership on the field, by the way. Well, fucking hell. It's ac- like, regardless of how many other leaders Eddie Jones talks about that they've got in the team, it's a fucking bad look for your captain to trudge off the field after 50 or 60 minutes in a game where you're losing against Scotland. You know, it's. <laughs> when well, he doesn't get sent off. Well, yeah. But like, even though his discipline has improved remarkably, because his contributions to the game has completely diminished with it, <laughs> yeah. he might as well not fucking be there. And then, what? Like, it's it's we keep saying it, but it's like, if you're chasing a game, if you're losing a game, if it's backs to the wall shit, you don't want your ca- your captain to be sitting with a fucking training jacket on on the sidelines, having a bit of ice and a, and an isotonic drink. Yeah. You know, you want him to be on the field with you and. Yeah, I just, I don't. How long can this go on, really? I, well, ju- I just forever because Jones has said this is what he does. And this is the thing: twenty-four like, fucking test matches, mate. 
He is an unpleasantly nasal man. <laughs> he is. It's terrible. He is like got the archetypal annoying Australian voice, hasn't he? Bless him. <laughs> but uh, you, uh, the, the shit for me for the weekend was I was disappointed. I was listening to the, the game, like I said, on, on uh, Radio Five because I was going to a gig. And I was I parked up the car afterwards to hear the, the Eddie Jones interview. Bear in mind that what happened the, the, on Radio Five the, the previous the last time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a point this, of that. This is going to be a burner. And he was just really quite nice about it. And I was no, really he was jealous. really gracious about it, wasn't he? We'll yeah. learn from this and we're only human beings. And... Yeah. So, while we're on England, another shit yeah, for me was... Weird. did you more did... of a dick when he wins than when he loses. That's well, quite typical Australian. Australian That's very Australian, yeah. yeah. Terrible yeah. winners, yeah. The... Um... While we're on England, the shit for me was, did you see that bit when Johnny May caught the ball and he was actually standing in touch? When they spun the ball left out to him, but he caught the ball, his left yeah. foot was, was in. Like, oh, he didn't oh, think about yeah. this for a minute. An international winger did not know where the touchline was, or where his feet were. Yeah, he was stood across the touchline when he caught the ball. Went, oh, oh shit! Oh, sorry, lads. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. What else have we got? The shit. Um, you, I think we've covered most of it. I mean, Ross Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't I mean, look fit, does he? He just it makes he, he he looks like a man who played two games in like eight months before the tournament started. He look he was blowing. Out, like, fair play to him for staying on the field and making sixteen tackles or whatever it was. Nineteen. Nineteen, Jesus! But like he was blowing out of his ass after about twenty minutes, and it, uh, I just it's got. Falato needs like that, but back row desperately needs someone like Falato back in it, and bit of dynamism, bit of athleticism. He just needs to go back and play for Gloucester for a bit and get himself back into form because it's just going from naught to Test rugby after so long out is just it's it's too hard for anyone to do it. Uh, what else we got? The shit from Twitter. Reese not going touch at Blood and Mud, and he said shit was Gatlin giving his substitutes fifteen minutes to turn around a monumental arse kicking that was going on. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair so point. I remember the size of Wales used to be poor in the last twenty, and now we're just we're only good in the last twenty. I know it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit shit. Tell Burke got in touch and said shit was England's offense. Yeah, talked about that. They had the least oh, points yeah. of any team that's played for Italy so far. Played. Sorry. Least points of any team that's played Italy so far, the Six Nations. Uh, Phil Jones, going back into non-international games for a minute, Phil Jones got in touch and said shit for him was the overall match day experience for Ospreys versus Cheetahs on Saturday night. There was more atmosphere on the concourse watching the Calcutta Cup at half-time, <laughs> and some reports had the crowd as low as a 1,000. And given the um, way they played, the, I'm not surprised. The official figure is like three and a half. Oh, is it? Oh, there you but, go. But... Uh, yeah, still not a good figure, but then it's a Six Nations game played on the same night as Wales playing Ireland. And they're playing the Cheetahs, which people still don't really understand. Yeah, for the first time ever. It's, you know... <laughs> well, the Blues, have, uh, the Blues have obviously are going to move out of the Arms Park now. I'm, I'm, it does I'm, seem that way. Well, yeah, this is, I think it's a done deal, but um, I'm just hoping I'll go back to Carlos City Stadium where they were before. So oh, surely not. Remember there's a game there where they played Zebra. <clears throat> The official attendance was 2,000, but I mean, it wasn't that many, didn't it? it was, there, were, there were less than 2,000 people in the stadium. I, I love the people like totted up the stairs and go, what's, what's the attendance? Oh, we can't fucking tell them that. Yeah. Yeah, just say so 2,000, will you? <laughs> Awful. Right, well, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I remember them back when I they were at the City Stadium. I went to watch a couple of games there. It was the most soulless rugby experience oh. of my fucking life. But I, I, I don't... I don't know the what their other option is. Like you can have a drink in the Asda if you buy some can. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, get some titties in and then go to Maplin or whatever. Stand in the car park and drink a can outside outside like uh, Games Workshop, that was called. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and if you piss yourself, you can pop to Matlan and get yourself some new jeans. There you go. Yeah, lovely. (laughs) Is the Ninian Park pub still there? Is the which? Is the Ninian Park pub still there? Ninian Park pub is still there, but it's it's not it's not that near the stadium. Well, the other side you can walk down. Um, actually, uh, no, the, the Ninian Park pub isn't. Is I think it's a Chinese restaurant now. Am I right in saying that? Possibly, yeah. I I, I haven't been in the Chinese city stadium in fucking ages, but I yeah. should know this really because I live about four hundred yards away from it. But I mean, I, <laughs> my 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 knowledge of my local area is shockingly poor, to be honest. Um, yeah. There is there is like a there is like a, one of those family sort of. Uh, Eating pubs, I call them, in the in the car park, table right table, whatever it's called, and all next to the yeah. KFC that you, you Brewers Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. it. One of those sort of things. Anyway, I mean, let's move on to good. Fun. While we're speaking about Brewers Fair, it might be let's talk about good. The uh, what have I got that's good? <laughs> uh, the diminutive Italian fullback trademark. So that's that's his, his oh, full title. Minozzi's tackling. Yeah, his tackling's love, really I, good, and he's about I, three stone. You've got I that Bonnie in the centres who's like massive and fuzzy haired and everything, and just yeah. people run through him like a He's fucking revolving shambles. door. Well, look and what then... Bastro did to him. <laughs> and then Minotti, who's tiny and just tries to sidestep across the field whenever he gets the ball, <laughs> even when it's never on. And and he was tackling like a train. I could not. Head on the right him. side, heart and soul, yeah. blood and thunder, straight absolutely. in there. In, like, and he got a That's try. Too, he absolutely deserved that try as well because. He, it, at times, it felt like he was the only Italian back player that was actually fucking bothered. It reminds me of uh, you remember Rob. If you follow rugby league, Rob Burrow, who played for Leeds and England, oh, yeah, rugby yeah. league, well, he five was two, wasn't he? Yeah, about, literally about five six, about ten stone <laughs> eleven or something. He was. He was like Arwell Thomas, but could actually tackle. You know, well, not at all like Arwell. No, Thomas. so not like Arwell Thomas at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What have you got us good, Josh? That um, we haven't talked about already. Well, we talked about Hugh Jones already. We talked about Finn Russell and that pass in particular. Glorious. Um, as much as it pains me to fucking admit it, Keith Earls. Still keeps being good, doesn't he? It Still must keeps really being trouble really you, good, Josh. And that. really quick and really effective in the air and all these things that he's never been in his career. <laughs> it's bizarre. But uh, hats off to him. He's arguably probably one of the better, or if not the best, performing outside back in this tournament. Which is mad. Yeah, you could go for that. Yeah, you could. Well, yeah. it's hard to think of another. No. Anything else? I mean, it's good? not been. It's not. Uh, and go on, John. Go on, Mike. I got two goods. I mean, go. we mentioned it briefly though. Um, she, I think Shengler's been a, a revelation for Wales. I think, yeah. I mean, Superb. More of that, please. Um, I know this is this is not particularly controversial, but I thought Hog played fantastically on the weekend as well. Hogg does he's, do he's something doing... that other people, nobody else can do. He actually runs into that outside the 13 channel all the time. Mm. It's quite obvious you can see him coming. You know, in every yeah. attack, he comes piling up in the outside 13 channel, gets the ball, and you think, well, you've got him here. But then he just has that little spark, doesn't he? Yeah. Just gets you on the front foot, just, yeah, and just makes people think about where they're going to put the ball, what, the opposition, what are they going to do with the ball? Are we going to kick it down? Unless yeah. you're. This, this, again, it goes by, without harping on about it. That's why that Wales Scotland game was so surprising to me. Because yeah. our kicking game's not great. I thought he's going to absolutely muller us now, and that just didn't happen. So that was that was a strange one. But um, but he stands people up, doesn't he? He he stands people up and moves, or he puts them through. He's good. 
I think the difference I've noticed with Hogg, and uh, he's been quieter in a sort of attacking sense. So he hasn't scored a try this tournament. He hasn't really mm, sort of yeah, had any point, kind yeah. of. Ma- but what he's been doing is he's just been he's been using his reputation almost, and he's been he knows that he's gonna whenever he gets the ball in a bit of space, he sucks. He's gonna suck players in, and he's unselfishly instead of trying to beat three men, and he's just passing the ball and doing the easy thing. And he's, he's probably helping his team, to be honest. Certainly did on Saturday. He wasn't doing anything well, particularly flashy with it. He was like just... another NFL analogy. Don't bang on about it, but you can see he's almost like a double team where, where you've got to be so aware of what he might do. Yes, yeah. But so he, he, he draws defenders to him, doesn't he? Yeah. Put people into space, you know. Speaking of outside backs who've done well, Steph Evans has actually had a very good tournament, and, it, and there were some serious worries in the autumn that he was going to be a total shambles defensively in particular. But he hasn't been for this tournament. No. At all, I Simon. think you put him alongside a, a Liam Williams or a George North, mm. and there's there's a bit of an interesting balance there. Yeah, well, I think the other good is, is we talked about um, Underhill earlier, Sam Underhill. Yeah, I think he's going to. I know the yellow card, notwithstanding, but I mean he was he wasn't on the field for probably ten minutes after you know take the yellow card out of it. But I really think he's got something. I think he's. Absolutely. I think he's going to be very good. Simon Brooker got in touch on Twitter and he said, good for him was Martin Johnson explaining what game day was like for him when he said, apart from people wearing an England shirt, I hated everyone else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which is brilliant. Is that true that, is it apocryphal, that, that story when, when Clive Woodward came out onto the field, uh, in the world, I think in the World Cup final, and, uh, and, and Johnson said, fuck off, this has nothing to do with you. Apparently it is true, yeah. <laughs> But that's what I want on the field. We're talking about leadership. My God, that man could do it. Right, what else have we got for us? Good. From Twitter. Colin Hotchkiss got in touch. He said, both Saturday's games being the opposite of Friday's shit heap was good. Yeah, it was, because it wasn't looking good, was it? At 10 o'clock on Friday night. Uh, You've already mentioned it, but Peter Budd got in touch on Twitter and said, Sam Underhill again, until the moment of stupidity. Yeah. But he yeah. wasn't a dick when he received the yellow, like a lot of players are. He just and even out. that stupidity, do you know, even that active stupidity. If you're gonna, it, it was daft what he did, but it was. Oh, this At least was he was committed. <laughs> it's awful to say he was committed and he was fucking hard. I mean, that, that was a hell of a. It was it was a hell of a shoulder charge. Yeah, I know he shouldn't do it, right? But and he he took it like a like you know took it like a man and took his you know his medicine and went off. But I mean, I want my back rows to be always on that edge. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Especially in that contact area, to be that little bit of nastiness, that little bit of abrasiveness, you, you want, you need that, don't you? I, do, I do, He didn't do himself any. Didn't have the team greatly being sent off. I know, but I don't think I don't think he did his stock as a as a as a back row player any harm with that. Yeah, I know I he got his timing wrong and he got his positioning wrong, and you know, if he, he's he's quite lucky that it wasn't a couple of inches higher, otherwise that would probably been a red. But like he's shown, right. not, he's shown nothing in his game so far, which suggests that he's the kind of guy who's going to start deliberately doing that, is he? He's just no, he's just blood he's and thunder committed. It, isn't it, it was a t- he's not a dirty player, and he's absolutely just. You could see that he was just throwing himself about the field, trying to make player. something happen because the rest of his fucking teammates were shitting the bed. Yeah. And he was the only person who looked like he could actually affect the game in any kind of positive way at that moment. And and if I had to write a list of someone I didn't want to get smacked in the face by their shoulders up with, it'd, it'd be he'd size be right on those well. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Last good from Twitter was Ray C got in touch and said, "Good was a Scott Williams's offload to Navidi for the Evans." Oh, track. that was tasty. Wasn't That was nice. Any good from you, Josh? Before we move on. 
Um, I I'll think again off, really. we, we covered most of it, but uh, yeah. That's I, <clears throat> one quick one, lads. It's just the the Wales in a twenty uh, game. Oh, what a fucking game that was! was Forty-one yeah. thirty-eight, I think. But some Scotland, beat, Scotland beat England as well under twenty. Yeah, yeah, really good. We well, we were all watching. Yeah, Italy, that France. miserable shit show. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an eleven try fucking thriller in the oh, under twenties on S four C. What do you want? Damn. Yeah. Chanel Pedwarek. <laughs> the, um... Very good. Right. Anything else? He's lived here for like twenty years, yeah, gone you? Um, right. Uh, no. Only the only thing I've got left is shit watch. Yeah, we'll have to. We really haven't got much time. So I'll do this quite quickly. Well, did anyone think the Kings were going to break their duck away to Leinster? No. no. Sixty-four-seven sounds about right, doesn't it? And yes, next week, as. Jamie Phillips, long-suffering Dragons fan Jamie Phillips, got in touch on Twitter and said, Southern Kings haven't won a game all season. Dragons haven't won away in the league since March 2015 against Treviso. Oh. Nearly three years without winning away. Right. He said, this you is know, the game of the thing, weekend. Actually, before we finish, that France win against Italy was their first win in a test match in 343 days. God, you wouldn't Nearly have thought that, would you? Nearly a full calendar year since they... Beat Wales in scandalous circumstances. Oh, yeah, the 120-minute half. Yeah, that was the last time they won a Test match before that Italy game. That's fucking incredible. Can I just, uh, before we go, though, Lee, I'll just yeah. say a, a bloke called Martin Solomon who follows the show, and I was in, on holiday in West Wales last week with the family, and I got I got uh, accosted near the beach by this fellow who's a big fan of your podcast. So I just said, oh, hello, Martin. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. And Martin, yeah. thank you for listening. Indeed. We will leave it there. We didn't get a chance to do the fantasy league. I haven't got any time, so we'll we'll pick it up again next week. Thank you. Although last thing I will say about fantasy league is is that top of the league now is Living Navidi Loka, the team. Oh, so we desperately want them to stay there so they win. That's a, that's a great name, Josh. Thank you very much as always. Always a pleasure. But thank you even more to Mike for giving up his incredibly valuable time because he's a proper like you know sort of a celebrity <laughs> really. So no. thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, Lee. Cheers, Josh. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, Have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network.